Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Spotlight Series. This is a show where we watch a genre of movies every month, and we pick some of the best movies. I don't think we've done um absolute worst. I don't think so. But we are finishing up War Month, and we are doing a movie that I think none of us have seen. Nope. I know I haven't seen it. Like I said earlier, I'm not that big into war movies, honestly. So we reviewed the 2002 war film We Were Soldiers, based off one of the, I don't know if it's the bloodiest, because I think the Civil War still wins. I can't remember. I've had people say that like the Civil War is still like the one of the worst wars. Well, for Americans, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, because it was both sides, because we yeah. were both sides of that war. So technically, what, World War one is pretty shitty too like numbers wise all of them are pretty world war ii is the worst oh okay that was that one was worse okay i couldn't remember one of them was like terrible but six million jews were killed oh yes so yeah i was saying battle wise not yeah there's way more people that yeah passed in that but anyway um one of the uh, you could say it's a blunder i think all war Potentially, unless it's just some evil guy twisting his mustache saying, I'm going to do this bad thing if you don't stop me. I'm down with those kind of wars. Uh, but this was based off of the Vietnam War. Now, doing a little reading about the Vietnam War, uh, it was all about North and South Vietnam having a conflict. And you know what that means? Uh, the, the bigger the United States got to get involved. Yep, the bigger brothers, so Captain Savahos, have to come in. And so it was a proxy war of russia and china no no russia china against america and other anti-communist allies but america was probably one of the bigger ones so uh it was a mess it lasted like 20 years and um none of my family were involved with it uh yet two katie had two people in her family involved with this war um this one was a mess i had a class about it and a lot of soldiers did not want to be involved with it and a couple of phrases that still happen in video games these days came from this war like fragging you know when people are like oh i was a top fragger of this game fragging is when you pull the pin off a grenade of somebody you don't like and that grenade goes off and kills them that's where the phrase came from uh, they would do that to their higher ups because uh, they did not want to go fight because the Vietnamese were using just not normal tactics. Uh, I always liken it to like the American Revolution when the British were like, hey, Americans, come out and stand in a line and shoot at us and we'll shoot at you. And they were like, fuck you, sitting in the trees, like eat my ass. And they're like, man, and they had to go into the trees and then they get shot in the back. <laughs> It, the the Vietnam uh, soldiers, they used very tricksy tricks and uh, Americans. It's crazy. They were not prepared for that shit. I uh, mean, they used guerrilla warfare like we used in the Revolutionary War. The only difference was that they knew their land and we fucking didn't. Yeah. Uh, people got played like fiddles out there. Absolutely. I've seen many videos of some of the traps and it wasn't traps that would out outwardly kill you. It was traps that would maim and then put some type of disease or something gross into your body like they would use what bamboo punji sticks and then they would poop on them and so it wouldn't kill you but when it stabbed you uh that grossness was just in your body and you got really sick and then you would die uh 
Immediate infection. Yeah, they were down with just maiming because sooner or later, it would get you because you're not at home and hopefully you got the right medicine. Uh, it, this war was, and still, like people talk about it, it looked like from the outside a slam dunk for America. You know, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're known for coming into situations and shitting on things. And then we didn't. It was very confusing. Uh, multiple presidents were like, uh, why can't we just drop a nuke over there? Uh, President Nixon was one that said, can we just drop a nuke and just be done with it? They're like, no, sir, it's not that easy. <laughs> but uh, it's a mess, man. It was an absolute shit show. So this movie, We Were Soldiers, based off the book, We Were Soldiers Once and Young, is all about one of the first battles of the Vietnam War, the Battle of Ya Drung. Drung? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ya Drung, where it was, you would say it was a pretty decisive battle, but knowing where it goes after that, uh, it was just a war of attrition, really. America's like, hell yeah, and they're like, okay, <laughs> we'll see you next week, and then it just gets worse for the Americans. So, um, Greg, what did you think about We Were Soldiers? Never thought I'd say this, but I'm ready for Christmas movies, and not be- and not because I dislike the movie. It's just because the intensity, my goodness, uh, between between the intensity of this singular battle that lasted multiple days and nights and the emotion of going back to the home front where where soldiers wives are dealing with the emotion of worrying if their husbands are making it and then finding out for the most part. That they were not making it and getting the news in a very improper way. We'll touch on that later. In a yeah. very improper way that their that their husbands have lost their lives and will not be returning. It's just once this film, once they once the soldiers leave home and hit the ground, literally hit the ground off those helicopters. This movie does not let up. My goodness, uh, very intense, quite emotional. But that's what you expect from your war film. So job well done in that sense. Um, between watching this and watching Napoleon, I just, which was not that great, by the way. Uh, I just, I just, I I need, I need a, I need an emotional reprieve. I need a metaphorical cigarette (laughs) in terms of, in terms of my cinema. So, (laughs) but man, it, it absolutely got the job done and it was, it was powerful film. Very powerful. Also, uh, as a buddy of ours told us, in advance it definitely sheds light on how ill prepared we were and even we even knew to a certain extent we were ill prepared and it was just kind of the mindset of well we're about to figure this out (laughs) yeah oh so depressing i don't understand how none of us have ever seen this movie before because this movie should be at the top of every list about like war films because this movie was so fucking raw like they did not hold back in the graphics department the special effects department the anything like the way that they portrayed this war and how brutal it was and just this one battle and how gruesome it was um It is kind of rare, I think, at least in terms of this specific war. There are a lot of films about World War II um, 
that deal with just the gruesomeness of that war and the different things that were going on all across the world in all the different battles. Um, but a lot of Vietnam movies um, end up being about like the brotherhood that is formed between people and like the interpersonal relationship of the soldiers. And this movie had a little bit of that, but this one was way more about the actual battle and the leading into the battle and the personal interests of each of the soldiers back at home like we got to see a lot of their like families and that whole dynamic before they got shipped off and just it was heart-wrenching and beautiful and like greg said you need a metaphorical cigarette like in the form of christmas movies after you watch this movie because it's just it's so brutal and it's definitely that moment you can see this the flip in the soldiers and in the wives and girlfriends of the soldiers where this went from being like oh we're just gonna run over there and it'll be great and we'll you know we'll kill some people and then we'll come back and it'll last really quickly and we'll be done to holy fuck this is awful we were not prepared everything's horrible everyone's dead like the flip there and it mirrors the american sentiment on the vietnam war like everyone was gung-ho at the beginning and then at the end they were just like yo this is fucking awful (laughs) (laughs) and this movie is fucking great uh i don't know that i would watch it a second time not because it wasn't good but because it was so brutal and i don't know if i need to watch it again we also get the uh get a perspective from the enemy side as well that you don't typically at least in my experience in the films i've watched you don't typically get from your war films yeah usually the soldiers the quotation mark bad guys you know it's usually just honestly you just see the troops and then maybe a soldier or two in the group will do something terribly like oh well they're terrible and but yeah this movie you got actually got to see their leader and I'm going to ruin it for both of you and remind you that that also happened in the movie Pearl Harbor, which came out the year before this movie, where you get to see uh, the Japanese side planning the bombing of Pearl Harbor and had their like little ships and maps. And they were discussing like what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And they were talking to their uh, the kamikaze flyers and all these different things like chaos yeah i, I know you both hate that movie yeah but i've seen it I've, I've, never, I've never seen it i've never seen it oh okay everyone was talking shit on me last year when i was like <laughs> fucking pearl harbor all the boys are like this movie fucking sucks whatever i love that movie so. <laughs> i would su- i would suppose that pearl harbor film overshadowed this one to an extent about a year into it, yeah. it was still being heralded and being consumed at a pretty high clip i need to sit down and make a list of Vietnam War movies compared to other war movies. Because I don't know if it's the fact that it's a little more recent. You know, in the scale of time is very recent, but not, you know. But I just think I have a feeling that I think some of these movies don't get the honors that they should. Because, I don't know, people have a weird feel about Vietnam. And There's there's less of a depiction of glory when it, when, it, when we take yeah. it in look back on that war considering back at home there were so many against it and it and on the ground 
And in the war zone, we essentially did not succeed. Yeah. yeah. It's it's always weird to see because, you know, you, you, there's tons of World War Two movies, you know, and World War One. And that was that was, you know, Americans were the shit, you know, it's just something about Vietnam, man. It's, well, just, it's the same with the Civil War. Yeah, like, you're right. There's like a handful of Civil War movies and that's it because a lot of people don't want to look back at like, yo, we were fucked up and we were fighting each other. Like, <laughs> we fucked up. Something was wrong. Yeah, brothers same. just in the middle of the street swinging. They're yeah. like, stop fighting. Yeah. Same thing. Speaking speaking of which, the deadliest one day battle in American military history: Antietam, Civil War. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's what you're trying to get at earlier. Yeah, it's gross, man. Uh, someone t- was telling me the numbers. It's like Civil War. It was bad. Yeah. Well, given that medicine was not that good, and if you took any type of wound, you were probably going to die. You know, it was just that kind of bad and. Yeah. fuck man they were just standing in a line they're like i'll shoot you next katie you shoot first and i'll shoot you and i'm like oh my god that's so stupid uh but yeah. you gotta do what you gotta do i guess unfortunately well it wasn't really like that in the civil war okay they, i thought they were that, still that, doing no, that dumb that was shit. the revolutionary war by the civil war we had all just like the american military was like fuck all this dumb proper british shit <laughs> but no uh this was a good insight into vietnam even though I had a couple of classes on it, and I knew to everybody later, like Katie said, at first we were like, oh, this is a slam dunk, bitch. We'll be back in two months. Deuces. And like, holy shit, my whole group is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I almost died. Uh, this was like three days, I think, technically, mm-hmm. in this movie. Three fucking days, and people were already, after day one, they were like, I want to go home. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, man. It's so, so depressing. But uh, this was good. It was a really good movie. Uh, no matter to watch too because you know almost everyone knows somebody who either was in it or knew someone who was in it yeah it's close enough didn't make it like yeah yeah. it's close enough that like our generation was probably involved in it or they were just old enough or young enough that they didn't have to but it's like i said it's a recent enough that it's still in people's minds you know like world war one and two it's like oh my great grandpa was in this and you know stuff like that it's yeah there's like hardly anyone left from those wars still alive or from world war ii still alive like korean war i think that's the next one where a lot of old folks are going out there's a few left over from korea still but vietnam this that's your the main group of people that you're gonna find if you walked into a vfw hall is gonna be vietnam yeah vietnam an american legion hall is gonna be vietnam veterans i feel like the popular media that's that's that portrays the war is either portraying futility in the jungle, PTSD <laughs> when it comes yeah, to yeah. when it comes to Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm Which, telling you, if a day of this was like this, you know, if I'm trying to like drag Katie out and then just skin falls off, I'm bad. I'm bad off, y'all. <laughs> I get back to normal time. I don't know how to operate because that was a lot. Well, yeah. And um, imagine. So even now, like soldiers returning from any war that we're currently in right now, or what are we calling them now? They're not, they're not actually wars. Oh, um, how do we get away with not actually oh, having fuck. wars? It's it's called um um not skirmishes. It's uh some bullshit. It, it they have a fancier name because they don't want to say war operations. Yeah, yeah usually whatever the fuck. Yeah, when soldiers get back from those, um, you know, at least there's some semblance of therapy 
kind of um you know not that everyone is going to it and not that the va necessarily has extraordinary health care or access to mental health but i can't imagine mental health being a priority in the 70s especially among men like it's just not a thing no you, you just take a salt tablet and get up exactly pull yourself up by your bootstraps yeah, stop being a bitch doesn't get matter up. that you saw 87 people just die fucking get up stop being a bitch yeah <laughs> that's how it works so uh, i'd be remiss if i didn't talk about the cast of this movie uh, anytime you watch a movie from like the early 2000s or the, like the late 90s, you'll see all the people that are doing movies right now that are older and distinguished or and just cool looking. Oh, like, holy shit. war films. Yes. Distinguished her. Distinguished here. War films are almost always ensemble casts, like big ensemble casts. Pearl Harbor was fucking stacked. Yeah. Uh, Band of Brothers, stacked. Yeah. Was the other one uh, Saving Private Ryan? Fucking stacked. Yeah. Like everything mm-hmm. is just there's every person in the movie. If they weren't super famous when the movie came out, they are super fucking famous now. Yeah. So we have Mel Gibson as the actual real person, the person that wrote this book. Uh, uh, he he plays the lieutenant colonel, and then we have Greg Kinnear. Holy shit! Yeah, they are so cool. Sam Elliott without a beard or mustache. It was weird looking. He looks very weird. Weird without a mustache. I was like, I knew the voice, but I was like, that sounds like Sam Elliott. I recognized the voice, but I had to look it up to make sure that it was him. It was fucking weird. It was weird. Uh, Chris Klein. Oh, man. American Pie. He he wasn't the pie fucker, but he was in American Pie. Uh, (laughs) Carrie Russell. My boy, Barry Pepper. I forgot he was in the fucking Green Mile. Man, that's a good fucking movie. Saving Private Ryan. Yes, he was. Ryan Hurst. Now, all you people that played the new God of War movie, he was a voice of Thor. Oh, big, thick boy. Yeah. And he looks just like him. So I think he might have did the mocap for Thor also. But he was Bertier in Remember the Titans. He was the, the nice white guy that got helped out the black black players and they teamed up. Well, actually, he got in an accident, so he wasn't even there for the last game. And Opie from Sons of Anarchy. Oh, don't even fancy. I didn't want to say anything about Opie. Cause it makes me sad inside when I think about him. <laughs> See, he fucked me up. Damn. <laughs> Opie was the best in that show. Fuck. <sighs> God, you're fucking me up. Sorry. Uh, Clark, Greg. Hey, it's Phil Coulson. Um, man, he really should have been in the later movies. They fucked that up. But it was good to see him in this. Uh, it blew my mind when I saw him go by. I was like, oh, shit. It's Clark Greg. Man, he's going to do a lot in this movie. I can feel it. We'll see how much he does. <laughs> Desmond yep. Harrington. So I remember his old doofy face from Dexter. He was that like kind of crooked cop, rich boy. That was with Deborah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Joey. I don't, I don't think he dies. Joey Quinn. Yeah, I can't remember if he died or not in that show. He I, does. Nah, fuck him. At the very end, <laughs> I say fuck him. Uh, but there are tons of people. Um, a couple of the wives I saw their faces, but they weren't big enough at that point to pop out. But uh, this cast is awesome. Absolutely. Mel Gibson on a, a war film role this time. This is two years removed from the Patriot. I'm curious. Oh I'm curious God. if like war movies are his jam. I the wonder if he Patriot. likes doing it. Oh my God. The Patriot's so good. Fuck, I love that movie. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. Another ensemble cast. That movie had fucking everybody Ooh. in it. <laughs> All right. I got to go back and watch that again, man. Oh, was and it? the Patriot was like two years after Braveheart. It went Braveheart, uh, Patriot, like, then 
95. Braveheart was 95. I oh, think. it was five years? Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't the I wonder if he did one in the middle. Probably. Um, After Braveheart, no, the next war film he did ended up being The Patriot a few okay. years later. And then a couple years after that, we were soldiers. Wasn't the bad guy in The Patriot? Was that uh, uh um um Lucius Malfoy? Yeah, Malfoy's dad. Fuck, man, had that permed ass hair. Captain being Malfoy. a dickhead. Fuck, that's a good movie. Yep. I love it. Ah, The Patriot's a goddamn the Patriot's good. So good. I wish it was real. I it would make me get more interested in history. If I was a kid, you they're wish like, it was real. It was. I don't no, know what you mean that by that. Character. Oh. Character was I wish the Revolutionary War was real. <laughs> like, honey, that happened. Yeah, I'm just saying, if there was a, a a dad that was like, I'm out of the game, y'all. I'm just, I got these 72 kids. I'm just trying to take care of them. And then shit got real. And he was out in the woods with a fucking hatchet going wild on him. I'm like, that's real. Fuck, I like history. I, I'd read more. Well, I'd read more history stuff. Loosely based on the exploits of several real-life historical figures, the fuck up. including a British officer, Lieutenant Colonel Bastre Tarleton, and several American patriots, the Swamp Fox, Francis Marion, Daniel Morgan, Elijah Clark, Thomas Sumpner, and Andrew Pickens. You said Tarleton. That is a, a college. Yeah. I wonder if it's named after... Uh... This guy? Yeah, uh. probably. He was a British general and politician. Best known as the lieutenant colonel that led the British Legion at the end of the American Revolution. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, probably. Uh, this seems like a thumbs up from everybody. It's depressing as shit. Absolutely. Uh, it's a war movie. Uh, there's only so many ways you can go with a war movie. Either it's so absurd that you can deal with it, like Inglorious Bastards. Sisu. You know. Yeah, Sisu. Uh, that kind of silly is like, this is bad, but it's good because he's just killing them all by himself, you know? Or we take the real route and it's like, fuck, this is depressing. But that's war, man. War is not cool. Uh, every movie <laughs> they they show and they make war look like it's the coolest fucking thing. War is not cool, kids. <laughs> war is bad, man. Fuck. So... I realized when I was looking over this movie after we watched it, I was like, man, a lot of things happen, but then a lot of things don't happen because it's like Greg makes it to the field off of the helicopter and then it's like 30 minutes of shit that goes around. It's not like then he walked over here and talked to this person. It's just like people yelling at each other and doing orders and then things happen. So um, I'm curious my explanation, how quick it will be. There were points like story beats, like, you know, things with the wives and certain people didn't come back to the group and things happened to them. But all in all, this movie was over two hours, but it was just like, it was like a long, like, scene. And it's just like, oh, and then that happened when Katie was trying to deal with this. Bella's troops, like, just ran up out of the dark and they had to, like, like light them up and stuff like that. So um, it's good. It moves. It didn't feel like two hours, actually, when it was starting to get to the end. I was like, it's long, but I didn't feel like it dragged. You know, I actually wanted a few more minutes to kind of settle things. But it's a war movie. You know, you can't really settle it. You know, so we start this movie in 1954 with a French army and they are on patrol. And this is 11 years before the america the americas get involved in the vietnam war 
the United States, not the Americas. Yeah, the Americas. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> don't don't push your glasses up. You know what I meant when I said it wrong like that. <laughs> no, no, you got you got to be specific on that. You can't I say know. the Americas. Yeah, don't don't put Mexico into this. That is a nece- that is a necessary push your glasses up. Mexico did right not there. do anything. Mexico's like, uh-oh. South America did not do anything. <laughs> so- don't put South America on. Don't put the blame on me, Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Don't you put that evil on me. So we see the French army get ambushed by the Viet forces. And boy, howdy, they are shitting on these guys. And at the end, one of the soldiers is like, so what do we do? Do we just like, like take them hostage? Or what do you do? He's like, no, nope. kill everybody that they send over here. So they stop coming. We got to show them. Like, oh, Katie sent her group over. They'll be back in a few hours. Three days go by. Oh, they're dead probably. Like, yeah, uh, you got to make it make it seem like you're hot shit and you're scary. So 11 years later, the United States, they're dealing with the Vietnam War. And we see Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore. He is chosen to train and lead a battalion. So he moves his family to Georgia. Yeah, we looked it up. Mm-hmm the base is in georgia and so he is training these children and his higher-ups tell hal that he is going to be leading a new fancy pants group a air cavalry 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 they should spell that word a little different (laughs) cavalry unit and so instead of horses like their metaphor they say they're using helicopters spiffy helicopters you know you don't have to feed this horse and i'm like oil and gas and shit but yeah i I get your metaphor and so they are going to be hot dropping these soldiers into vietnam because just uh what was it just a speed thing yeah they had well they were too worried about the enemy and not knowing where the enemy was so they had to like drop people really fast and then get the fuck out of there yeah so they weren't wasting you know millions of dollars on equipment (laughs) with those helicopters yeah so uh we see that Hal's group uh these kids are starting to get to know each other and they're training and uh, i think one downside of this it might just be me my brain there were so many famous people and the movie tried its best to not lean on anybody as the main character it, it's mel gibson you know but when it you show the kids for a while you're like okay that dude's probably gonna be like the secondary main character i just needed i don't know i needed a name hovering over people's heads because after a while i was like oh no opie get up and i was like fuck i actually don't know his real fucking name in this movie because it's like it's like 15 people i'm trying to take care of mentally but eh. so uh the call happens very fast for Hal and his crew and his group actually gets cut down and Hal actually talks to one of his higher ups and he's like you knew that they were gonna like shave my group down and take all the people that I like trained and leave me with these like new soldiers that don't really know what the fuck to do and he's like you gotta do what you gotta do and he's like fuck I don't want to die you know um that always seems to be a thing about you know the war uh higher ups are like uh you got to do this that's it there's no fighting this it's like that's just the order like wow this really fucking sucks yeah welcome to war so unfortunately he takes a small group into north vietnam so uh intelligence is not that big they don't know how many troops they are taking on that'd eh, be all right so 
while this is happening, we see that the North Vietnamese, um, their leader, is actually doing orders. And we get this, like, the best metaphor I could say was like a chess match between Colonel Moore, and his name is Nguyen, uh, Nguyen Hua An? Nguyen uh, Hua An. When definitely, who, when, I'm definitely gonna assume it's Win and not Nguyen. Nguyen, no Win. I've heard both. I don't need to fight me like this. I don't need to <laughs> fight me like this. I've heard it both ways. Win, uh, Commander Win, and uh, like I said, it feels like it's a, a chess match. Every time, uh, Commander Win is like, "Okay, we're gonna do this. We got to get closer to these soldiers so they can't use their shit." And Colonel Moore, it's like something in the world just tells him, "Hey, watch out!" And he's like. Ooh, they're gonna expect this. Let's do this, and I'm like, that's really cool. I'm curious if that how it really works in war, but uh, I guess so because this is real. It's a real fucking story. So as they arrive in the area, uh, one of the second lieutenants he spots an enemy scout, just a dude, just out. It starts running, and this lieutenant starts chasing after this enemy scout. Now, us knowing we're, you know, 2023 watching this dude in the 60s chase this man down. I was like, nah, that's a trap, you asshole. Chases him down and gets led into an ambush. Oh, Lord. So, tons of soldiers get mowed down. And the surviving members are surrounded and cut off from the rest of the battalion. Uh, We'll get back to them. Because, boy, howdy, they're gone for a while in this movie. Just fighting. And hoping and praying that they don't get discovered. Because I want to say there was like maybe five. No, it was more than five. Maybe 10 to 12 of them. But the camera was always on like four of them. But there were more guys just hiding. So Commander Wynn, uh, Commander, yeah, Wynn. He orders a large scale attack on the enemy position. So he has understood that America has all of these cool toys and weapons. But you can't use these weapons when we're in your face stabbing you. So, you know, oh, have fun with this cool airplane. You're not going to shoot yourself with the airplane. We'll see if that happens in the movie. So we'll just get close and stab. So back in the United States, we see that Hal's wife, Julia, she seems to be the uh, de facto leader of the American wives on that live on base. Because he's the highest ranking yeah. person. So she's the highest quote ranking wife yeah and boy howdy i think this is what greg was leading to earlier but we see how the army delivers telegrams telling the next of kin that their soldier has died they use taxi drivers now uh every depiction i see of people like i'm sorry but uh commander bella she uh passed away in this battle against the, the evil puppies you know in katie with her bob is just oh it falls over it's two soldiers pop up or two officials come up and tell you and not just a dirty old taxi driver that doesn't really know what's happening and and, and in prior wars at that prior wars (laughs) yeah it's crazy that they weren't ready for this yeah so they they make a point in this movie to to show you and to tell you that there's a reason that there weren't two soldiers there. It's because they were not prepared to be delivering telegrams like this. They expected to go in there, massacre the Vietnamese, and leave. And they went in and fucking 
got blown to pieces. So the military, the army was not prepared to deliver these notes of death at all. And they didn't have, because it escalated so quickly and there was so much wild shit happening, they didn't have the, um, what is it? Not employees. They didn't have enough people to send out to do this because by then it was all, all hands on deck time to ship more people out. Yeah. So Julia, she starts delivering the telegrams herself along with her name is Barbara, uh, He had a crazy last name. It was like four G's in that bitch. Yeah. Jagoan. And so, uh, yeah, it's sad. It's a sad scene because the first day there were like already a handful and she just assumes that it's going to get worse every day. There's going to be a ton of letters and uh, we're going to deliver them, you know? So we meet up with one Joe Galloway. He is a war journalist and he actually is a real person and he's the other person that wrote this book that this movie's based on uh he is just witnessing this war and it's funny he's jumpy every explosion he's like ah and you know uh sergeant major the basil uh sam elliott's character is like yeah you gotta get better than that bud like this you're in the shit so please you know control yourself so he's taking a lot of pictures and he actually meets up with a few guys and this dude cheese is so hard for a picture as he's on one of the mortars and it made me laugh because that'd be me some journalist comes up with the camera I'm like hi and i'd pose you know like hope i make it through today you know some, some dumb shit hey man i'm sure gotta do something out there so while this is happening boy howdy the north vietnamese uh they have not stopped just rushing the Americans uh, to the point where they are starting to get overrun. Um, Colonel Colonel Moore is starting to feel the heat. So Colonel Moore orders his first lieutenant to call in Broken Arrow. And no, that is not just a John Travolta action movie. It's a real thing. And so that call tells every available aircraft to attack enemy, enemy positions. And the first lieutenant starts naming places, even those close to the U.S. troops. So it's very much a, uh, you got a couple of minutes, you better get the fuck out of there, because it's going to get crazy. So we see aircraft with bombs, napalm, machine guns. They start wiping the fuck out of all of these Viet troops. Unfortunately, one of the planes drops some napalm on the americans and we see some of the worst some of the worst casualties deaths ever uh so joe the uh journalist he tries to help his buddy to the helicopter and he tries to lift his legs and his skin comes off and he's like oh oh my god his legs just melt off and the guy that was trying to help him was like uh i'm busy I you have to lift him by yourself. I got other people to take care of. And Joe lifts this man, puts him in a helicopter. More than half his body is extra crispy. He will not survive. But gotta do what you gotta do out there. Uh it's bad, man. It's bad, bad. So Moore's troops, they regroup after all of this absolute murder that they've been doing. And uh, the Colonel Wynn. 
he plans one more just hard push on the Americans and he sends out most of his forces because uh, his his mindset is all it takes is just a few to get in because we can just break them down or spread them out and we do some flanking we can take them out because they have all these fancy weapons but if we get too close to them then they have to just fight and all those explosives are for naught so more and his boys they overrun them and they actually make it close to the enemy command center and they it's crazy it seems like america with all of their aircraft might and power they seem like they're just kind of overrunning these people but i'll go over the numbers later but boy howdy just looking at realistically what they went through they lost a lot of people during this um there are scenes with uh, Major Bruce Crandall. Uh, he is one of the helicopter pilots. And uh, he led a few other helicopters into danger. And people were lost. And you just see little by little what war does to people. And people are breaking down after a day. And, uh, you know, Major Bruce pulls a gun out on one of the other soldiers. It's a higher up. And he's like, if I ever see you again, I'm going to kill you. And the dude's like, okay. I'm out. It's crazy. Like, it, people weren't prepared for this, you know? So, Colonel Wynn, he actually evacuates the headquarters that he was at because they're a little too close. And it seems like they kind of failed. So, later on, we see Colonel Moore. He actually gets to that small little group that were hiding this whole time. They grabbed like, grass and leaves and they were hiding themselves and if any bad guys got too close stabby stabby or shooty shooty and they just been out in the dirt for multiple days i know they were quite hungry so they picked him up hooray so colonel moore is waiting on the helicopter he's waiting on all his boys to come back so they can all leave and it's funny there's a scene where all of the other war journalists the ones that don't want to be in the shit they pop up after the the battle and they're running around trying to get pictures and interviews with these people. And it's like me running up to Katie after three days of madness. Katie, 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 how many of your friends die? And just putting a mic in her face. I would have punched that bitch. It's wild the questions they were asking. I would have punched them. Yeah. If I was one of those soldiers, like, I, w- like, I know they were shell-shocked. Yeah. But I would, like, I don't know, as soon as my sanity went back to me, I would just fucking punch all those, all the reporters. It's bad. And we see Joe, uh, he picks his camera back up for a while. He actually had an M16 in his hand and he's a pretty good shot. So, uh, yeah, but he uh, he's like, no, I'm here for, for pictures. That's what I want to do. So, as the Americans get lifted out, we see that Colonel Wynn and his men, they arrive on the battlefield to pick up all the dead North Vietnam soldiers. And he says that Americans will think that this was a victory, so this will become an American war. So he's he's saying like, oh, okay, they think they won. They think this is going to be a slam dunk. They'll be back and we'll see what's up. Yeah, we'll see what's up. (laughs) So at the end of the film, we find out that the landing zone immediately went back into North Vietnam hands after the troops left because there was no one to defend it. Uh, Hal Moore, he continued 
fighting in different landing zones for nearly a year after this. And then he made it back home to Julia and his family. Hooray. Apparently, Halmore killed over 1,800 North Vietnam Army and Viet Cong soldiers. I don't know if that's him in particular or just he was involved with killing that many soldiers. Uh, and it's it's rough. And then we see an older Hal go to the Vietnam War Memorial and he looks at all the names of the soldiers that died. Uh, yes, yeah, spoiler, if you heard any of those names of those people, uh, like 85% of them die in this movie. Uh, Clark Gregg goes down helping somebody onto the helicopter. He gets shot. And I was like, God damn it, he was doing the right thing. Uh, Same with Chris Klein. He was trying to get that other person. Yeah. Like trying to get his buddy away. And then he got shot three times in the chest. I was like, fuck, yeah. man. It's it's very depressing. So, Greg, uh, who's your favorite character? What was your favorite thing in We Were Soldiers? Whew. Favorite character was actually Sergeant Major Basil Plumley, played by Sam Elliott, <laughs> which initially I did not think he would be because of how terribly he treated uh what was what was Bertier's character's name? Oh, John Hamm was in this film. Jeez. Um Bertier. Um, uh, Savage. Yeah. Yeah. He, before they before they departed for the jungles of Vietnam, Savage was trying to be as polite as he could and respectful to, <laughs> to him as possible. You pass him no morning. How do you know what kind of good what kind of day it is? And he was just super surly towards him for absolutely no reason. Uh, and he just he could not dial back the intensity that he had throughout the entirety of this film. But from start to finish, you realize once you get to the end of this film, by the end of it, is that essentially as intense as he is, and even though he maintains that intensity even prior to even leaving, <laughs> leaving home to the war front, he is essentially the emotional pillar of this group. You may not have liked how he how he came off at times, but it was necessary to keep his troops at a necessary level of focus that you need when war is random, survival is random, and at yeah. any given second, you could just be gone just based out of pure bad luck it, from getting off of the helicopter to and then any, everything in between by the, before you get home. Um, he was essential to everybody, even Mel Gibson's character, uh, Hal Moore, who Hal Moore is the leader. How more is the clear-cut leader and the commander of the of these troops? But even Commander Moore has his moments where he emotionally breaks down. But the, the one emotional constant throughout this film and throughout <laughs> this plot was Sergeant Major Plumley. He even <laughs> he even was the one that enlisted the photographer. Uh, I'm not here as a soldier. Well. <laughs> Given the circumstances we're in right now, you are now. Take this right. gun. You're <laughs> you're contributing. <laughs> he he does what he has to do as far as he's a leader in his own way. Even th- but at the same time was a loyal and obedient subordinate to his commander, whom I think was he was older than. But I I just absolutely loved how was he was the emotional constant throughout this film, and somebody that clearly everyone needed to lean on, whether they realized it or not. Oh, absolutely. Um, I had a really hard time picking a favorite because I 
think that they did a really good job of giving um several different characters a lot of like screen time and like the ability to like them like they gave you enough information about the characters that there was a lot to like about a lot of different characters um so i'm gonna choose a character that they hardly gave us anything about um and that would be uh major bruce crandall the helicopter pilot because that dude (laughs) was doing the fucking most work out of everybody in this film he brought over like 75 different loads of troops in his chopper and was fucking like shooting things down and doing all this crazy shit and he was able to hold it together emotionally i think better than most of the other people in this even though like everyone did have like at one point everyone except sam elliott basically had a fucking emotional breakdown in this movie because why wouldn't you yeah um but i think that major crandall um greg kinnear's character just held it together really well in the face of not letting um the other soldiers see him react to the horrific things that he was witnessing both when he was bringing people to the battlefield and watching the actual battlefield and the fight he was fighting in the air and when he brought people back as like a medevac to the little base like dude was just holding his shit together and it was great so it's funny i usually don't choose the leader unless the leader is pretty solid usually there's supporting characters that make me smile a little more than the leader but how more in this movie was what you really want your leader to be uh, he was in the thick of it it wasn't just like a hey you guys take care of that i'm gonna sit in this bush you know he was fighting he killed a lot of people and he felt for everybody. He tried to know everybody's name, seems like. He was an awesome, awesome leader. And that's what you want, man. In a situation like this where you have to absolutely, like, implicitly trust everybody. You know, I have to believe that Katie is going to take care of what she has to do so I can have my thing ready. You know, I I would trust Helmore. You know, Mel Gibson, I would trust that dude. If he says, hey, do this for me, I'm doing this. And we're going to get back. Like, okay, gotcha. You know, it was just a really good leader. And it made me feel good watching it, really. Uh, But like I said, it seems like Bill Gibson, he, I don't know if war movies is just his jam, or maybe he's just a solid leader in movies. But He's a middle-aged white guy. He's probably really into history. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, man, this is nice. (laughs) Okay, so Greg, who is your least favorite character or least favorite thing about We Were Soldiers? Whoever made the decision that they're going to inform the wives and next of kin of the loss of their family via taxi drivers. No, that was trash. (laughs) Figure out a way to do it other than that, even if it's last second. Figure out a way. Oh, that was, man, that's, I think that's... It's just as egregious as being ill prepared for the battle for for actual warfare is is how is that in itself? Oh, just oh man, oh terrible. That seemed like and they I, care, you know. And I absolutely know 
some sort of issue happened in the one scene where the taxi driver comes up to how uh how Moore's wife and was looking just looking for an address as opposed to he but made her think it was for her yeah the news was for her and she goes off on him i i do not doubt that incidents like that happened uh even if even if it were the right person i do not doubt that wives were going off on taxi drivers because they're not soldiers delivering this news and i completely believe that i mean to hear the news in general is awful obviously but and i don't think there's any good any ideal person to deliver it but there's got to be such a confusion for me getting getting it from a taxi driver of all people and it has to surely have have thrown people in such an increased emotional state beyond what they would have had they seen a soldier like that man terrible my least favorite thing about this movie is the fucking sharpie map that the North Vietnamese army was using. Yeah, I, I was. They like. Yeah. Whoever made this movie wanted to show to portray the North Vietnamese army as being primitive. Um, and to do that, they used a fucking sharp a map made with stick figures and sharpie. A parchment with X's and X's for spots and triangles for mountains. (laughs) Like a fucking child drew this map. It looked like a child's treasure map. And it was absolutely goddamn ridiculous. Because (laughs) they would have fucking topographical maps of this mountain range. It wouldn't just be fucking Sharpie on a piece of paper like was so upset i kept saying to otis every time they would show the map i was like what the fuck and when they tore down and decided to you know go go ahead and abandon that that position they're starting to tear take down everything off the walls and such it seemed like on the walls there are things that were much more detailed than what they kept showing throughout the film yeah and they rolled up the little sharpie maps i was like for fucking what (laughs) this is essential we're gonna need this later (laughs) atrocious and it looks so bad like they couldn't even get a fucking real artist to have drawn like a semblance of these mountains of this mountain range and their base and everything they were just like you know what we've got five seconds before the americans show up sharpie mountains here we go it's like fucking atrocious i it was tough uh to find something i really didn't like uh yeah i think the closest thing was how they dealt with people passing in this movie and and it's crazy all of these wives knew that there was a very well i don't know if they knew if there was a really good chance before this war started they thought like oh there's always a chance someone will be you know they lose their life in battle but just with the number the percentage of notes were coming back and it was like fuck everybody's dying uh yeah that was crazy that they didn't have a proper way of getting these notes out and like we said they weren't ready for this sheer number of of people but fuck that was really shitty very 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 terrible so like i said i you know if i'm waiting on bella to come back from war and i see somebody a taxi driver like is this one two three jones street i'm like what do you no dickhead like you made me think bella was gone you know 
it's just it's just really shitty you know so let's do seven word synopsis and i'm using one just out of just real life uh this is me if i read a note saying i got drafted like i'm drafted miss me with that shit uh fuck this noise man uh i don't know what i do but i'm not sure as fuck not going to vietnam fuck that noise um i don't know i i think earlier wars if you were in college you were fine right um, that, that was one way to be exempt i believe yeah because they're like well okay you're busy doing something so they didn't choose you i don't i don't know if there was all wars or just i don't know actually it was probably world war ii but a lot of people just left school because it was like a pride thing yeah it was a thing to do it was cool not cool but there was a the sense valiant, of yeah no sense of yeah wanting needing to help your country out duty uh, yeah a sense of duty there you go duty. you said duty <laughs> Katie. <laughs> okay uh seven word synopsis yes um i have three more trains men leads into a massacre and then my second one military wives brought humor grace and heartbreak now, like I said at the beginning, this movie is one of the few movies about war that doesn't just focus on the brotherhood that is formed between the military members. We got to see their interpersonal relationships and their wives, and we even got to see there was a legitimately an entire scene where all the wives were sitting around talking about the necessities of this base because no one had lived at this base before or was from this area. They had brought all these sergeants in from different areas. So all of these wives got together and had a whole conversation about, well, where do I get my laundry done if the on-base laundry is broken? Or where do I do this if this is happening? Like, that never happens. So we got this sense of, uh, like, personableness out of the wives. And then when you get, when you see them receiving their telegrams, um the heartbreak is palpable like you want to cry with them because of how sad it fucking is uh and that was great about this movie sad but great and then my last one maybe only vietnam movie without fortunate son <laughs> that is a song by Creedence clearwater revival you know it because you've watched any other vietnam movie in existence so yeah. Or you could have changed that to without CCR also. I could <laughs> have, general. but CCR, CCR wasn't two words. It was only like an acronym. <laughs> I needed two words. <laughs> could have made it like Credence CR. Yeah. <laughs> it's a man Credence Clearwater. I mean, Take the R out. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 It's it's always it's always CCR and or Jimi Hendrix all along yeah. the watchtower. Oh, yeah. uh, oh my goodness. Yeah, there's a list. And this movie didn't use it at all. It's so great. That is great. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it hit me. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. Yep. They also that's, do. Uh, there's like not even one the good CCR. About the jungle either. that's always by CCR. And sometimes Susie Q is used in military movies. Goodness, that's so good. It's so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. Greg? <laughs> oh, my goodness. 
You could Spotify search cliche Vietnam songs, film songs, and I bet you get a playlist. Okay. So the answers are for CCR at least is Fortunate Son, Vietnam War Song, Who Will Stop the Rain, and Run Through the Jungle, and then also Born on the Bayou. Born on the Bayou. Yeah. Born on the Bayou. Yeah. That one. <laughs> See, now Greg's thinking about it. He's like, you're fucking right. Every it's Vietnam movie true. I've ever seen. It's absolutely accurate. And that's why I'm laughing so hard. Because it's just so on the nose. My goodness. That's so right. Now I want to like just consume a bunch of cliche Vietnam film songs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm about to look up a playlist in just a sec. Before we leave, we got to do that. I'm okay. gonna find one and send it to you right now, Greg. Yes, yes. No, we got to read it on here. On we got to read this on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Wanna, all right, all right. Here's my synopsis. Just got one. Dear God, this was only one battle. Right. I had forgotten in the middle of this film that this was going to only be based on one battle. I'm thinking, like, all right, this battle's gonna end. They're gonna have to go somewhere else. You know, you did it. Sit back. No, 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 no. This was one battle. Yeah. You know, emotionally taxing battle. And you have to consider the fact that it made me think to myself, well, okay, well, there should have been a re- like some sort of requirement to where you get you 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 fight one battle and then you get to just go home. <laughs> <laughs> like to be able to do this over and over and over again for such a long period of time is just unfathomable. And just the sheer luck to be able to make it home after doing this over and over and over again just oh my goodness just completely unfathomable just to be able to make it just to be able to make it that many times in that sort of situation and our our dear our dear friend helicopter pilot said it was was right on the money when he's when he said in the middle of the film it's like it's gonna be worse tomorrow yeah (laughs) and i'm sure you could have said that every single day of, of their time there it's gonna be worse tomorrow gonna be just as bad tomorrow ah unfathomable man this movie did a good job oh okay i searched vietnam war music in spotify the first playlist vietnam war music by extra music is 18 hours long oh god (laughs) i'll just read the first i don't know few songs fortunate son by korean's clearwater revival why is it Paint it Black there? by the Rolling Stones. For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. There it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Time of the Season by the Zombies. Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones. Yeah. All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Damn. Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. Hell yeah. That's like when you're like back and you're in between battles and you're <laughs> smoking your cigarettes and you're... Yep. you're and imported drugs sun by the animals now the second one 16 hours long the ultimate vietnam war era playlist by ed.02 first song green river also by ccr then purple haze and all along the watchtower by Jimi hendrix then run through the jungle by ccr okay third playlist called vietnam era music is literally just like seven ccr songs in a row starting with fortunate son 
And then Traveling Band, Green River, Bad Moon Rising, Ramble Tamble, and Down on the Corner. And then House of the Rising Sun by the Animals. How did they become synonymous with Vietnam? I don't understand why. <laughs> I gotta read up on that. Like there's there has to be some sort of source, some sort of explanation as to why they just became so attached to the all timing. of this Vietnam media. I, I mean the timing, yes, but like it's not like they're I don't know. It just seems so super specific. And I'm, so bet, I'm betting they were probably through their songs or what they said. I don't know that much about CCR, but I'm betting they were pretty outspoken about like the war. I'm betting they were pretty outspoken about it. Because I know Hendrix, yeah, he was exposed outspoken about just about anything if he had something to say. But I have a feeling that they were pretty outspoken about fucking battles. Okay, so in the 90s so the lead singer uh john fogarty was um thanked in the 1990s by a vietnam veteran who told him that his squad routinely played uh credence clearwater to prepare for combat like every night they would play it through the speakers while they were in vietnam so it just became this like music that would pump up the troops and in turn oh got turned got put onto every fucking vietnam movie because that's what the troops were listening to hmm. Hmm. now imagine a hundred years from now when we're getting fucking <laughs> we're getting movies about like the what it's not a war it's not technically a the conflict in Afghanistan and all of that and it's just fucking soldiers listening to like get low and like E40 and shit get get hyped that's that's the soundtrack to future war movies is just fucking like hip hop from the early 2000s they'll blow a hole in a wall and then turn down for what comes on turn down for so bad now I'm just now I'm just thinking of that clip of the uh, King of England's son when he's being interviewed, and then there's some sort of alarm that goes off, and he just takes off running, cuts off the interview, but they instead of the alarm, they they dub over uh, uh back that ass up. Yes, yep. <laughs> I love it. He's sitting there, and he hears, and he's like, I- I'm sorry, I I, I-, I gotta go, bye. I-, I, gotta, I gotta dance. I gotta dance. gotta get to the dance floor. Gotta, gotta, gotta. <laughs> yeah, I gotta shake my ass. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I fucking love that. He was booking it. <laughs> yeah. Was. Yeah. So was. this film released March 1st, 2002. I was about to say 2002. So what do you guys think the budget for We Were Soldiers was, Katie? Um a hundred million dollars. Greg. That is exactly what I was gonna say, and I'm sticking with that. Both you guys went a bit over. It was 75 million. Now Maybe it was because the location didn't really change how it looked. Because, like you were saying, Greg, if there were different tours in this movie, then they, you know, they had to have some type of uh, urban setting for one of them. There'd be one there was more water because you got to change how what people see in a movie. But there was like what a, a creek that wasn't really a creek, a forest area, one scene with a mountain in the back, and then like meadow. Mm-hmm really and i guess there were some ditches because they were like running up on them but the scenery didn't really change so i'm betting they paid the actors and actresses a pretty good amount of money because there were a ton of people in this they were young oh i forgot uh 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 paul ham no john ham john ham is in this movie for but like... he wasn't listed 
in this because he wasn't important then <laughs> no, you're right he was like this was his very first film role yeah i was like, is it really yeah. yeah he was just like there and i was like he's gonna die <laughs> but uh i you know they paid for explosive explosives and i don't know if explosives are really expensive i don't know but uh 75 million yeah you tell me a movie with mel gibson and sam elliott and a lot of young boys yeah, you're probably paying a pretty good amount of money for them. Well, war films in general are fucking expensive because you have to rent or borrow um, air or uh, airplanes and helicopters and jets, which they used in this film. They sure did have yeah, jets. There were there were jets and bombers and um, both two different kinds of helicopters um, that they would have had to borrow from private collectors or borrow from the military and they also have to get permission through the u.s military to portray some of the things and to film on government property yeah you're right like so there's a lot of different things they would have had to go through for this movie for any war movie like they're fucking expensive yeah so probably somebody had to put in just to get the movie going so what do you guys think the box office was katie um so i said 200 million and I kind of think that that might be high only because I've never heard of this movie, which is weird. Greg. I too had not heard of this movie, but that's usually due to just me not being enough of a cinephile. <laughs> so I don't think that's necessarily indicative of how it did in the box office. It never is. Yeah. Um, but I do think. Oh, but 180 seems short though. The budget was 100, right? 75. Oh, 75. Oh, then shoot. Yeah, yeah. Let me go. Uh, let me go. Let me go. 180. Let me go 180. 180. Yeah. So, uh, just winning off of being a little bit closer. Uh, Greg wins. The box office was 115 million. Oh my god. Heartbreaking. Now, uh, March. Uh, I don't know. I'd have dropped this a little closer to like Veterans Day, Memorial Day. Yeah, summer. Uh, I bet March. folks are still all, all up in arms about Pearl Harbor. I bet it just got kind of got lost in that shuffle. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, there were quotation mark bigger movies that came out. Uh, I don't know if the what they were displaying was a little more palatable. Because like I said, there's a Vietnam, a very real Vietnam film. And then Pearl Harbor is I don't know. I think a story that a lot of people don't really see a lot of. You know, I think that was the first what? Isn't that the first big movie to there's probably some black and white movie that goes over Pearl Harbor, but uh, Oh, there's a lot of movies that yeah. deal with Pearl Harbor. But uh, yeah, Pearl Harbor probably just kind of stepped on this movie, unfortunately. But it's good, but just yeah, there are probably better quotation mark movies that came out at the same time. Blade 2. Oh yeah. Panic Room, Resident Evil, The Rookie, Ice Age, Sorority Boys. Hell yeah. Ice Age Age was way back then? Yeah, Mm -hmm. dude, it's old. Ice Age is old. All about the Benjamins. Yep. (laughs) 45, 47. I I seriously doubt that those two are conflicting as far as audience. (laughs) 40 Days and 40 Nights. All about the Benjamins killed this movie. (laughs) (laughs) ice age was number one and then we were soldiers gross 
And then Blade 2, then The Time Machine, then 40 Days and 40 Nights, Resident Evil, Showtime, Panic Room, A Beautiful Mind, John Q. Damn, John Q. That's a good Oh, Lord. Yeah. John Q was intense. Ice Age is that old golly. Uh, so also still in the theaters, Lord of the Rings part one. There you go. There oh, you yeah, go. that was still in the theaters in March. It came out in fucking December. Oh, yeah, yeah, making tons of money. They were like, Yeah, we're yeah. not letting this bitch go. If they Breaking could, they probably in. have it in the theater for a year. Count <laughs> it up, count it up. Yeah, yeah shoot, they, they could put it in theaters and keep it in theaters for the rest of the time. I'd watch it once a month in theaters. Yeah, people go in like, oh, I got shit to do for the like this three hour block. You want you want to go see a movie again? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> absolutely, I do. Yeah, I'm gonna get the popcorn. <laughs> get a seat, baby. Get a seat. <laughs> so, does anybody have anything else to say about We Were Soldiers before we get out of here? This movie is heartbreaking and graphic, and if you are not triggered by the events of Vietnam War, of the Vietnam War, then you should watch it. Absolutely. Yeah. She's I will say um some stuff we didn't mention while we were like looking things up about this movie. So the actual characters, the actual soldiers um that Mel Gibson played, um what Sergeant Moore. Yeah. And um Joe uh I can't remember the reporter guy. Um Joe Galloway. Mm-hmm. These two actual people were involved in the production process. They wrote the book. They were involved in the production process. And um, Lieutenant Colonel Moore couldn't sit through parts of this movie. Like the initial drop into Vietnam, he got up and walked out because he just couldn't handle it. it, it he had already lived through it. So he said in an interview, like, I've already been there. I couldn't go back there. W- I had no reason to go back. Um, and then uh, Joe Galloway um, talked about going to set and meeting the cast. And he said that he could not even bring himself to shake the hand of the actor who was playing Billy, who is the soldier that gets napalmed and he ends up pulling his legs off Um he couldn't even bring himself to shake that man's hand because he looked too much like the actual Billy. He was just like thrown back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie was incredibly graphic and brutal and done incredibly well. Like, holy crap. Yeah. So I forgot to put this in earlier, but I didn't talk about the actual numbers. So the U.S. Calvary. Cal- cavalry. 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 V comes first. Yeah. Was uh, give or take a thousand US troops and then 900 um, South Vietnam troops with them. And so then they had fuck tons of B 52s and 96 sorties and helicopters. It was wild, that number. Against give or take 2,500 troops with. A couple of anti-aircraft guns. Now, the United States, there were 237 killed, 258 wounded, and four missing. So give or take 50% of the troop strength was hurt in some way. And the U.S. claimed around 1,000 to almost 1,800 Vietnam troops over there. And then the 
South Vietnam, they claimed are almost 700. So, uh, yeah, this was, and this was just that battle. Uh, it was a crazy, crazy battle. If almost half of the troops are just fucked up. Oh, man, it's wild. So, uh, yeah, and people were just getting dropped off and helicopter was leaving because it was like a 30 minute ride to get back to pick up more people to drop them off. And that was just a continuous. Oh, and then dropping off hurt people. So they were dropping people, real people off and putting all the weak people, bleeding people onto the helicopter. And that's all they did until it got dark. And then they were like, uh, we'll start it back up at like 5 a.m. Uh, good luck, guys. And then they all go to sleep. I'm like, jeez. The helicopters in this film were extremely efficient. And I, it made me wonder about the actual the actual piloting of the of the helicopters and that actual job in the actual war. And if it was really just that swift of drop off, pick up and just fly on out, it was just it seems so incredibly swift. Yeah, I, I I assume just about everything that's in this movie is built to some extent that it's like, yeah, that's just about it. Because uh, you had the people that wrote the book here. They're like, yeah, the helicopters were pretty quick. I mean, some of them don't even hit the ground. Yeah. They you're ju- you're jumping off. You're not even going to stop. Just jump. Yeah. Just people were danger rolling yeah. off of this bitch. You so. get close to the ground and you just fucking jump. So we can just, we don't even have to stop. You just leave. We yeah. just leave. It's crazy. That's what you need. In a war like this, you need numbers. Both sides thought that if they just had more numbers, they could win easily. Fuck, man. Ugh. So, if you have any other fun facts about wars, or Jesus, man, uh, just how and why Vietnam is just so it was a terrible idea, you can tweet Katie at Allentown Pod. We have an email, it is Allentown Presents at gmail.com. We have a Facebook app, Allentown Presents. So, this was the end of War Month. We watched some pretty good ones. I'm, I'm happy. So, uh, with that, we are going to head into Christmas movie month. And, uh, Greg and I, uh, we're not the biggest fans of Christmas movies, uh, but there have been a couple of movies that are coming out soon that uh, that have wet our appetite, and uh, hopefully a couple of older ones. I'm thinking of some old cartoon ones that we haven't watched yet. Um, I want to say there's a uh, oh, oh, rapey Magoo made it, but oh my god, what? Uh, uh hey, hey, hey. I can't remember. That. Oh, Fat Albert. Fat Albert. Yeah, there's a Christmas special. Uh, uh, we only did the Garfield one, you know, but there's other cartoons that have done Christmas specials. You know, we haven't I mean, done Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay, that had Emma, been the first. I think Emma and I did yeah. that the first. If it wasn't a yeah, but there's other specials we could do. There's other cartoons out there and stuff. But uh, yeah, all sorts of them. Rugrats has one. Like oh the Passover episode. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's got a freaking Christmas episode. Uh we could do the uh the Boondocks episode. I love that Christmas episode. Where he comes up with the the story of black was it black Jesus? Yeah, the uh, adventures of black Jesus. Yeah. And then uh his brother just habitually beating up Santa Claus at the mall. <laughs> he gonna pay what he owe. <laughs> but no, uh I am excited. There's a lot of good choices out there. So uh, that's all Katie's joint. Uh, I'm going to help her with the scary ones. But yeah, uh, have fun. It's Christmas. So uh, like always, thank you so much for listening. And we will be back, I don't know, next week with a Christmas movie. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. I want to know, have you ever seen the rain?
Hell yeah.